Before we begin, I just want to thank some of our partners in this enterprise. We really appreciate Lethbridge University that does our administrative stuff and, and uh, makes things happen for us. And always a thanks to uh, Country Kitchen Catering and, and, the, and the media who, um, who support us, including um, Shaw TV and uh, CKXU 88.3, uh, who carry this, uh, this uh, part of it live. Um, what else, Knut? Oh, next week. I want to comment on next week. Uh, is Trudeau Mania alive and well in Canada? So Harold Jansen from the Poli-Sci Department will be here to help us unpack uh, what has happened this last week. You maybe heard about an election took place, yeah. Anyway, I'll call uh, Leela back and uh, invite you to uh, come with your questions. I'll ask you to name yourself, be brief, and, uh, and we'll open up the, um, the issues of energy. Hello. Hi, Leah. Uh, Maria Fitzpatrick. And uh, close to the mic. Go ahead. Hi. Okay, now they're off. Here, Terry. No, it's off. Hi, Aaliyah. Hello. Maria Fitzpatrick. Um, MLA for Lethbridge East. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your presentation. Um, and I want to say, uh, based on the conversations that you and I have had, we've had a couple, uh, I believe that uh, you ran because you, you wanted to do the best you could for Albertans and for your constituents, and I applaud that. Now, uh, I could stand here and I could probably contest almost everything that you've said, uh, but I'm not. I'm going to get to a question. And my question is about, you talked about uh, mixed messages from our government, mm -hmm. and then you talked about higher personal taxes, and you talked about an $800 million uh, drop in uh, oil revenues. Mm -hmm. uh, the price of oil uh, this time last year was $95. The price of oil now is about 48 or 49. Mm -hmm. uh, so that may account for the 800 million, not the uh, royalty reviews, not the increase in corporate taxes. Uh, but getting back to the higher personal taxes, uh, all you said was that higher personal taxes have been imposed, but you didn't say for whom and how many Albertans that actually affects. So my question is, how many people does that affect? So and who and how many? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I, I believe the question is for, uh, in regards to personal taxes, that um, is how many people are being impacted by the personal taxes and who. So um, the numbers of how many, I will, I'm, I'm not exactly sure other than I, I will I will find that out for you right away. But the who, um, the personal taxes, from my understanding, are going to anybody who's making over 120, 110, 115 thousand dollars a year. Is my understanding, 125. So that is, in my understanding, that is about 34 to 42 percent of the population of Alberta. So I'm not sure is that correct, Pete? Have I got those numbers correctly? It's close, yeah. So. The problem is, 
is that the reason we have an issue with the personal tax is just to answer that question is because we don't know where the taxes are right now that we're already paying into the system. If you understand where you're at, then you know where to go. If you understand what the problem is, then you know how to fix it. But right now, just to unilaterally raise taxes without actually having seen where we're at fiscally in this province is not the right way to go. It's bad policy. We need to understand where we are to start first, to understand where we need to go. Thanks, Maria. My name is Van Christou. Uh, thank you for being here today. I, I sensed in your, in your talk that uh, you're opposed to higher taxes. Sorry, say that again? And opposed to higher taxes, mm -hmm. period. Um, and I know there's a danger in comparing ourselves, uh, myself to somebody else, or our country to other countries, but we're prone to doing that. And, and uh, I see in the United States now, where they really do believe uh, in lower taxes, that they're in terrible financial disarray, like $3 trillion in debt and, go, and climbing. Um, it's not as though that, that has helped them very much. I see at the same time countries like in the Scandinavian area, mm -hmm where they have very high taxes, and in my opinion, a much more successful society than what I see across the board in the United States. So how can you be so sure that, that higher taxes are a disadvantage for our people? Thank you for the question. Again, and I'll go back to what I'd said previously, um, I think these are discussions that need to obviously happen with Albertans. The, the idea is, I mean, to lower taxes offers an advantage, obviously, in the province for industry to attract industry, to bring back what we call the Alberta advantage at one time. Having said that, though, we need to understand, again, and to answer your question, what, where are our taxes going now? Do any of us have a clue exactly where, there's or where they're going? Do you understand where your edu education taxes go? Or where your health care taxes go? Or any of those things? I think that there needs to be more clarity in that before we start adding on more taxes to an already a system that doesn't seem to in any way be able to describe for us why we're paying $2,000 more per capita in this province. Why, why do we not have, if, if, our, if we understand where our health care dollars are going, why are we not seeing improvements in our local health care? Why, why have we not seen improvements in situations where those dollars are supposedly going? Why are we seeing it's situations in schools where the tax dollars that are being given and allocated to our children are not making it down into the systems where they belong? Those are questions that need to be answered before you start hiking taxes on people. Hi, my name is... Uh Knut Peterson, <clears throat> thank you very much for coming down from the small town of Chestermere. It's not so small anymore, I guess. <laughs> not so small anymore. Uh, my question is maybe not directly related to a topic today, but I would like to get your opinion upon how do you see the, um, the uh, attitude of the government being towards the opposition in terms of collaboration and mm. and a, a good tone in the house, uh, a good question should get a good answer. 
dumb question, maybe not, but... No, not at all. Uh, could you give us your opinion upon what, what you see uh, the working relationship will be? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, like myself, and I'm sure that you can attest to this, this is... Um, I applaud every person who has ever come forward in the past or is there now. It is a humongous job and responsibility, and there's a lot of information that we're trying to understand and learn and, and go about. And uh, I think that the good relationships that will, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of actual work that can be done that is nonpartisan that can be done with the attitude of how do we make Alberta a better province, which all of us want. So it's gonna be a matter of making sure that we offer the help. I mean, the, the entire role of the opposition is to provide clarity and other sides of ideas to things that are already going through for the government parties to hold accountability. And also for them, I mean, the government has to hold themselves accountable as well too. So I think the attitude has to be on all of our behalfs is that we're there for the common goal of seeing Alberta be the best that it can be. But with that, um, having fulsome and sometimes very, very um, large discussions about things that are important from both sides of that are are important and need to happen. And um, the lovely thing about democracy is you can agree to disagree. So, thank you. Uh, my name is Frank Toth. Uh, I just don't know where to start. I'm shaking my head. I'm supposed to be the crusader for the royalty regiment. Mm -hmm. I've got five auditor's reports. I have auditor's reports from the, from the premier Lougheed era who hope that for the next 30 years, mm -hmm. Albertans will never have to lo loan money from anybody at all. You're going to be brief, are okay. you, Brian? Yes, I'm, I'm going to be brief. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. And I just don't know whether it's the election or the selection committee or who it, because the election is over. Right. We've had a landslide provincial election, a landslide federal election, it's all the, the people don't want the right-wing people in the power that want to give away some more, okay? One question. Have you ever got any auditor's reports? Do you, have you ever seen an audit report? On the royalty review? Yes. Well, the royalty review is going to be coming for it, as I understand, at the end of December. And we will be taking a look. And are you talking in terms of like the numbers that have come out beforehand, like with the Stelmac era and, and up until now and where we're at with in terms of money? I'm not sure I understand your question. No, just an ordinary audit report from the Auditor General of Alberta. Yes. Because... But not on this particular subject. I'm speaking no. on, on terms that the, the president of the largest oil company mm -hmm. says we have to, we agree to pay more royalties. Mm -hmm. And we agree that we right. have to do better with the environment. So. Right. And I completely agree with you. And again, I think that's why, with regards to the report, the report needs to be done as soon as possible so that companies, corporations and small companies can make adjustments right away and figure out how that's going to best impact the industry. So as far as large corporations go, as you know with the royalty reviews, they're, they're very much geared towards the smaller, corp the smaller businesses and it's a sliding rule, right, of how that works. And so it, it, it's geared up to be able to handle large companies, junior companies, and, and all of those different ones in between based on capital investment, based on wells, based on a lot of different criteria. So I think if what you're asking me is, is I, I wasn't even sure if you're asking, you're just asking me if I'd seen an Auditor General's report. 
Yeah. Right. So, no, I haven't seen that report that says that information. Douglas Mitchell. I just want to change the tune a little bit. Three weeks ago, we had uh, Andrew Nikiforic here talking, uh, launching his new book called Slick Water. And, his, uh, and, and he brought with him Jessica Ernst, whom, as you know now, is, is going to the Supreme Court in December to appeal her case. And I've got well into his book, and I am shocked by the fact that she has been hounded left, right, and center, not just by Encana, the primary uh, oil producing company, but by several government agencies. And, and you, you've talked about oil production, and that is one issue, and you have mentioned uh, renewables a little bit, but I would like to know where you stand on fracking and its impacts. What concerns me is when you read his book, I think eventually we're going to end up with health concerns related to that, the release of methane all over the province from 300,000-odd wells, and I'd like to know what, if anything, where you, what your stand is on fracking and its impact on the health of our birds. My stand on fracturing? Okay. Okay. Um, so maybe I should answer the question of um, should it be allowed to continue first, because I think that might take into some consideration part of your question. So um, I'm sure most of you are now, especially having had, had that discussion, are aware of what the technology is. And um, there's 175,000 or so fractures that have been done in between Alberta and BC. So, I mean, obviously there are concerns uh, regarding hydro um, hydraulic fracturing and I mean, the objective obviously would be to balance the environmental impacts with advanced new technology. Um, the, the, the thing is, is that there's, there's a couple of, of things that need to come into line here is um, with regards to if we're looking at water, for example, um, and I think I'd mentioned this in my speech, we have to have stringent um, regulatory um, process that comes forward to make sure that that baseline is tested so that we understand what's there and then to make sure that that water is consistently being tested. I think that would be a major part of deciding whether or not fracturing would be appropriate. Um, also, you know, distance and all of those kinds of things of fracturing near cities and all, uh, all of those things are important aspects that need to be taken into discussion and it'll be interesting to see where our new government goes with that and we'll be watching closely to see the policies and ideas that come up with hydraulic fracturing. My name is Mary Shillington and I just changed my question. Uh, uh, as a result of Doug's, uh, because I too am concerned, I'm involved in environmental issues here in Lethbridge, as many people in this room are, and I think part of the problem uh, has been, both federally and provincially in the past, has been even if there are policies that make sense, if you don't have paid impartial people to, to monitor that, nothing happens. And when the oil industries ha report when there's a, uh, a problem, I mean, that's, as somebody's letter in the editor said, it's like the fox uh, guarding the chicken house. Uh, so 
what what ha, I have confidence that this future government here in Alberta will change some of that. But what would you do? How would you make sure if your policy is that we we monitor this better, unless you put the money forward and hire the people and hire people that are impartial and not responsible to the oil industry, uh, nothing's going to change. So how would you change? Okay. And I also, I don't think I quite answered the last question appropriately to you. Um, I wanted to say, you had asked me if I supported fracturing, hydraulic fracturing, and I mean, obviously I, I do as long as it's done in a matter that it has precautions and uh, necessary to minimize any risk. So, sorry, I didn't answer your question appropriately. I just wanted to finish answering that. Um, with regards to, are you talking about with the AER specifically? Okay. So, the AER, um, like any other arm's length group, needs to relook at and revamp aspects of what are going on. This is a particularly interesting situation in that I, I think that many aspects will be brought to light as to how to proceed and, and the questions are very valuable and insightful and I, I totally and completely understand where you're coming from. I think that this particular case and other ones like it that may come as a result will in the end determine the degree of where things will go in. And the pre at present, I mean, given the information on, on, on the side of, of what, um, of, of, the, of the Nick Fork um, book and, and all of the other information, I really believe that th there's no way that we could assume that these companies would, I, I just can't believe that they would purposefully go out of their way to hurt people. And I think, I know, that's my optimism. I know, I know, but, but having said that, I don't live here. And I, I, I base that based on my understanding of what I believe to be true about a particular group or aspect. That doesn't mean that I'm correct. Far from it. And I, and I don't mean to intend in any way that I am. That would be short-sighted of me, especially not having all the facts. So I think based on what's going on and the emotions behind it and what... I think we need to be clear about following up with the science and the things that are behind it. The families of this certainly deserve that. And they certainly deserve all of our, all of the information that we can bring forward to make sure that it's handled appropriately. And believe me, I didn't mean that to be in any way a comedic statement. It's truly what I believe. And being new to this, this field and who I am as a human being makes me believe that I have to have faith in the system. And that means working with the opposition and with the government to make sure that things come to light and that it's handled appropriately. Thank goodness that there are there's strength amongst the people and amongst the government to be able to handle the information that's coming at them and then hopefully be able to move forward. I, I obviously, I mean, like I said, obviously this is not where I live. I'm not right here. I'm not entrenched in what you're going through. So I really do appreciate the emotion and the, um, the strength with which you feel for this particular subject. And thank you for asking the question. I, I hope I answered that appropriately. My name's Robert Smith. I would like to ask about refining. Okay. Now, you've said that you'd like to see more refining done here, but you've also said you want to leave it to the private sector. Now, I don't think the Sturgeon refinery would have gone ahead if they didn't get a sweet deal from the Stalemat government, and I'm not suggesting a deal like that, but how are you going to get more refining done? So, just to be clear, um, 
we are trying to be supportive with the government's decision to do refining. Um, I think that if refining was a viable procedure, if it was economically viable, you would have seen the private sector already gripping onto this and making money and, and finding a way to make that work. So um, this is more of a matter of that if the government is choosing to do refining, that we understand what that means and what that means to taxpayers. The reason why I'd mentioned about the private sector is because I really don't believe that us as taxpayers should be on the hook for another boondoggle. So we want to make sure that if refining does come in, that it is done in a timely manner, that we understand how that works. I mean, the biggest issue is that you can refine all you want, but how are you going to get your product to market? So. Hello. Morning. I'm Bev Mendel-Atherstone. Thank you very much for your talk. You know, today is a new day. We got rid of the Harper and Ruley government, the thugs. And so now we, and in Alberta, we also got rid of the Conservatives, and we have an NDP government. So both provincially and federally, we have gotten rid, rid of the bad guys. Yeah. And so it's a new day, and it's a new time, and now we're going to have real research. Um, following up on Mary's question, we all agree we want clean air, clean water, and clean land for obvious reasons. However, with the lack of real independent peer-reviewed research over the past decades, under a conservative government, uh, there's a knowledge deficit in Alberta. And not only Alberta, but now with the getting rid of um, the 14 research centers and throwing our, our um, research and uh, ancient knowledge into the dumpsters at the research station, we've lost a lot of our knowledge. So even in Alberta, D Dr. Schindler was vilified for his water research. So to assume that we are now, that we now have clean air, water, and land in Alberta is naive. And I'd like to know if the role of the opposition is clarity and accountability, then why aren't you giving this new government that has to deal with the lies and the lack of transparency and the lack of clarity in the budgets over 44 years, why aren't you giving this new government that is trying to work for all of us a chance rather than jumping on them and, and uh, going after them for this little tiny thing or that little tiny thing? They need to work with you. Let's get away from the bullying that's been going on provincially and federally with the conservatives and let's start working together like Canadians who can help each other. Thank you. I agree. Completely. Thank you for that statement. My question was, why aren't you giving them a chance? Well, I, I, um, that's a very good question. I, I didn't see myself or our, our, or our opposition as being those people. Um, opposition and just government generally is going to have its ups and downs, and there's going to be moments of clarity that we all agree on, and there's going to be things that we don't agree on. Um, that is ultimately at the end of the day why we're there in the first place. And the, the thing is, is that um, a great argument and a great discussion brings open-mindedness, new thought processes, and new ideas. And 
I believe that that can be done obviously with kind discussion as well too, but there's also a point where you might have to push the envelope a bit and we're all, we're all tough enough to take it. I think that all of us have enough under our belts to be able to handle some of the things that may come up and may, and the best thing apart about it is that the things that are being brought up are fixable. They're fixable solutions. These are not, these are not things that we can't do. So the, the question, to answer your question, is that as much as you may feel or people may feel that we are bullies or, or that we are pushing the envelope a little too far, it's truly because we believe we have the best interests. So thank you for your question. Hello, my, my name is Cosmos Vucinas. Hello. I'd like to congratulate you for trying your best. Pardon me, I'm sorry. I'd like to congratulate you for trying your best in oh. goodwill. <laughs> Thank but you. I like to sympathize with you for trying something that it is extremely difficult. The NDP got elected in a platform that they proposed and the people elected them. Whether right or not, they tried to implement it. Mm -hmm. In order for you as a critic to be effective, you have to have better information and more detailed information in a topic that it is so extremely complex, difficult, and interdisciplinary that nobody really in Alberta can put his finger on in accuracy. You need a team of at least half a dozen or two dozen experts to advise you. <laughs> How do you do that? How do you go by? Well, in our, in our particular group, anyways, in the opposition, we do have a, an incredible group of, of people and incredible amount of information. Of course, um, bringing that information in an eloquent and fantastic manner may not always be um, something that we're capable of doing all of the time. And uh, I, far be it from me to say that I'm answering these questions as pertinently or, as, or in a way that maybe is making as much sense as I would like to. So it's a very, very good point. Um, but we have fantastic people. And I think with time and fortunately for us, we're surrounded by some of the most intelligent people in the world in this province. And they're extremely, on both sides of the equation, they're extremely generous with their information, are wanting to help out with their information, and are wanting to share that with us so that we can go forward. So um, I feel extremely blessed and grateful for, for the amount of information I have coming at me. It just may be that I'm not particularly excellent at being, being good at bringing that information forward, but it's getting there. It's all, it's all absorbing. It's getting in there. So thank you for your comment and your question. Uh, Carol Sakia, uh, just to follow what that man said, perhaps in a couple of years you can come back here and you'll feel much more <laughs> able to take on the onslaught. Anyway, I do hope you do not agree with your uh, colleague, Derek Philbrandt, um, that he seems to apparently believe that the NDP government is wrong to fulfill or try and fulfill their promises. So I'm assuming that you're not of the same ilk on that point. Um, will your party be presenting a thorough repudiation um, of the current royalty structure uh, if there's going to be adjusting or changing? Let's assume there will be something. Um, are you going to present at that review panel your position to, I'm assuming, maintain the status quo? 
Um, the review panel is meant to give us some understanding as to how to move forward. So I, my understanding with the panel is that the government is act, it is the government's decision whether or not to take into the advice or the, there's, there's gonna be, I imagine, a few opportunities of how to move forward with regards to the Royals Review. Ultimately, that is the government's decision and I would hope that we would be asked to be in, invited in to um, help out with those discussions as, as we're moving forward. But again, this is a new process for me, so I'm not actually sure exactly how that will go through, but I would imagine that we will be part of those discussions, at least I would hope so. Um, to, to talk to you about what Derek had said, um, I, I, I would have to see within the context of where that was said, because he's not here, I, I really, um, I don't think it's appropriate for me to speak on his behalf without him, without him actually being here to back up where this particular comment came from. Um, but I, I'm sure that under another circumstance, perhaps you could invite him down and he would be more than happy to speak to you about his personal and particularly um, very, very, um, I think he's a very, very um, intelligent and well-spoken young man. So I think that you might want to take that opportunity to have him here so that he could answer that for himself. Okay, uh, la last question, hopefully quick question, quick answer. Hello. Uh, I just wanted to, my name's Ingrid Hess and um, I wanted to first just make a comment because when I was in law school, one of the most troubling classes I took was business administration where I learned that corporations have no um, uh, conscience. Their only duty legally and they must fulfill this duty is to maximize the profits for their shareholders. And therefore, it's beyond naive to think that um, there's a social conscience in a corporation. Corporations have to oh, be really completely. Oh no, I it's the law. Anymore. They must, according to the law that governs how corporations work, they must maximize their profits. That's what they're for. Anyway, my question. I, if I could, could no, if, I just want to let her get her question. Oh, I'm fixed. sorry. So my Go question is, relates to. Um, effectively, um, you know, I've listened to your, con your, your pitch, and it sounds more like a cheerleader for Alberta. Yay, we have ethical oil. Come on, you guys, we should be so proud. And I really get troubled by that. And so you slag Premier Notley because she, you know, expresses concerns and, uh, about our standing in the world. Well, our standing in the world is worthy of criticism. It is. And to deny that is just, you know, what, what to have your blinders on. Sorry, what is so your question? How, for example, how do you justify continuing to produce without sufficient regulation when you know and we know that the impacts on First Nations communities that live downstream from the oil sands are so horrific? So, so the question, question is how do, I question. how do I justify producing? Is that the is that the question? Okay, so with the impact on the Aboriginal. Okay, so part of it's actually a really good question. Part of what we need to do is actually what you just said. Um, the the background with governments and um, Aboriginal peoples and the the lack of communication and 
relationships, I suppose, within those communities have, in my opinion, never been taken to where they should. And I think that that actually, you nailed it. The lack of communication is probably the biggest aspect that, um, for me, and at least in our sector, and while I have the privilege of, of uh, speaking about this sector right now, is, um, is very close to all of our hearts. I can honestly speak, just as from a humanistic point of view, I totally, I, I get where you're coming from, and, and I appreciate you bringing that up. And that would be something that I think collaboratively with the NDP, that that's exactly where that needs to go. Um, as to how to proceed with that, that will be something that we need to discuss with them and find out how to engage that population and back and forth. And I think once that relationship has developed, and I mean, who knows how, how long that takes. There's a cultural thing there, too, that we have to respect and understand upon making sure that those relationships are, are developed, right? Um, to talk about corporations, now I understand where you're coming from in terms of what we see on paper. Um, but I just, I have a really hard time believing that people in, in any aspect, I mean, we are, we're talking about businesses that stimulate our economy and the people, and all of the things that we are so fortunate to have in this province. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't do better. Far from it. And I think it takes ideas of, of, environment, I mean, the environment and the sector have to grow and come to compromises and understandings together. But I think by just whapping people over the head with ideas that may be supported, but don't have the information to go forward, or on the side of corporations, that there may be walls that go up, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. It, it's, it's definitely something that's worth looking into. And I, I have a feeling that, well, actually, I know that they, that the corporation, at least the stakeholders that I've spoken with, um, it's on the it's on the top priority list for them in terms of the environment. And I think again, because government has changed, and we've seen that there's a whole different there's a whole different space now. All of us have to work within that. Now that again, that doesn't mean that I'm that we're not going to disagree, and there may be many many paths on how to get there. But um, one thing I do know for sure, though, is that. Moderation in government, good leadership, and thoughtful processes are going to make all the difference. A person can be as eloquent and as well-spoken as they need to be about a particular subject, but if there's no way to move those ideas forward, it's all, it's all for nothing. So I, I think I'm being told to close now. So thank you so much for your question. I hope I answered that. Thank you.